One down, two more to go. Today on Seahawks Forever, we'll look back at the Seahawks' 24-17 win in their preseason opener against Minnesota yesterday. Drew Locke playing in front of the home crowd for the first time at Lumen Field yesterday. We'll assess his performance. I'll talk about players that I thought flashed in the game, and then things that we do know coming out of the game and things we still don't know. My reaction to the Seahawks' preseason win coming up next on Seahawks Forever. Welcome to the Seahawks Forever podcast. In-depth analysis on everything Seahawks. And now, here's your host, Dan Viennes. All right, you guys, this will be our uh, kind of our dry run, our preseason game. Our inner squad scrimmage, mock game, all the analogies. <laughs> Uh, to get into the flow of recapping and reacting to games as we get closer to the regular season. And, and it can't come quick enough. Uh, here's my overriding take to begin with. First of all, um, hit that like button, subscribe to the YouTube channel and the audio podcast wherever you get your podcasts. It's the best way to support the channel. Really appreciate that. I am Dan Viennes. Thank you for listening. Uh, first of all, I have come full circle on preseason games. I used to love these things. But they used to be different, and they used to mean something different. Uh, <laughs> get rid of them. Uh, I, I just, you know, first of all, the first thing that stands out to me, and I'm sure it did to you, five starters played in the game for the Seahawks yesterday. Evan Brown, Phil Haynes, Devin Bush, Boye Mafe, Michael Jackson. That was it, if you don't count kickers. Um. That used to not be the way. There used to be four preseason games, and the starters would all play a quarter. So, you know, it gives us a chance to look at some different things and uh, uh, some things that are valuable. And we'll get into that. First of all, just the game as a whole. It uh, didn't start off great for the Seahawks. They were down 10 nothing. Uh, before the tide turned. Nick Mullins was really efficient for the Vikings, solidified his spot most likely as Kirk Cousins' backup. Uh, we've seen Nick Mullins before when he was uh, with the San Francisco 49ers. He tore us up here one time at Lumen Field four years ago, five years ago, threw for over 300 yards. Um, he's kind of a check-down guy, really efficient. Minnesota really tried to run the football early, as you can imagine. Uh, but when you look at the overall stats, everything favored Seattle. And they really kind of took control as the game went along. Um, my initial impressions were, and you heard Michael Robinson, uh, the former Seahawk, talk about it on the, the local broadcast, which had all sorts of issues, by the way. Lots of technical difficulties. Uh, I missed Minnesota's first touchdown live because uh, they lost their feed. Um, so that was fun. It was... Uh, he kept referring to it as juice. Seahawks came out and played with a lot of energy and intensity yesterday. And, and maybe that's part of the impetus um, for playing the young guys, mostly. Plus, we got some roster battles we're going to get into in a minute. Uh, first, a lot of, lot of even team stats. First downs, Minnesota had 16 to Seattle's 15. Total yards, Seattle won that battle, 340 to 259. Minnesota only rushed for 83 yards. Seattle, 106. Seattle won the uh, battle of yards per play, 6.2 to 4.2. Um, little sloppy at times, nine penalties in the game. 
and uh, some missed tackles early on. Pete talked about that, uh, which kind of prolonged some drives for the Vikings. Uh, some things they got to clean up. Time of possession right down the middle, almost exactly 50-50. Third downs weren't great. Seahawks four for eleven, but they held Minnesota to four for thir- or four for fourteen on third down, and Minnesota also went for it. I thought this was one of the interesting stories of of the game. They went for four, went for it on fourth down three times. And only converted one. And there was one big stop late in the game in the red zone, inside the 10. The Seahawks really stood up and stuffed the run on fourth down. Uh, Jacob Sykes, Mike Morris, Patrick O'Connell combining on that. And then the game ender before the Seahawks were able to take a knee on fourth and three or four. uh, Christian Young made a great play. The safety undrafted free agent out of Arizona uh, with a pass breakup on fourth down. Uh, I'm going to go over a couple things. We're going to talk about who flashed. I mean, to me, that's what these games are. as More so than overriding storylines or game flow or play calling. Don't need to talk about that. Remember, these early games, uh, there's no game plan. Seahawks don't game plan for Minnesota's tendencies in this game. They just go out and run what they want to run. And, a, and they're obviously running a very limited part of their playbook. We know that. So we look at players that flash. Players that stand out. And I caught myself the first couple of plays of the game. I had to watch this on tape. I didn't get home from uh, from work until 11.30 last night. So I stayed up, watched the first three quarters, finished it up this morning before coming on to talk to you all. Uh, and I caught myself the first couple of plays focusing on a couple of players. Mike Morris was one. I had to remind myself... The, the best way to watch these games is with a wide-angle lens and then see who brings themselves into view for you, who flashes. And this is a long list. And this is the encouraging thing about this game. We've talked about this roster, how young it is, how fortified it is with dynamic young talent out of the last few drafts. And that showed up tonight. If there's a storyline, if there's a headline, that's it for me. Tons of young talent. There's going to be some tough decisions on the practice squad and the back of the roster in a few weeks. That 53-man roster projection, my next one, might not be as easy as the first one where I went awfully conservative because I didn't think there were a lot of opportunities to be had. Early on, talk about some guys that flashed initially right off the bat. Derek Hall, second-round pick out of Auburn. He flashed in a way that I don't think we saw Boye Mafe flash in the preseason last year. There was a lot of buzz last year about Mafe in practice. Derek Hall stood out as a guy that's going to make an impact. Uh, strong at the point of attack. Really athletic for a guy his size. And Mike Morris was the other one. Those guys were getting, even though the, you know the, neither of them recorded a sack, Darn near did. Uh, there was a play where Derek Hall hit the quarterback and uh, they called roughing, and it it was one of those snowflake roughing calls. Uh, but there were a number of times that Morris and Hall impacted the pocket and impacted the quarterback. Maffe himself flashed. Pete Carroll said he's probably the most improved player between last year and this year. 
And we hear that about young players, that the biggest jump they make oftentimes is between year one and year two. Mafe just seemed like a consistent presence. Uh, he had one particular run stop where Michael Bennett was in the booth and he was talking about how he had just worked with him in, in uh, practice this week about using, he said, you got two hands, use them. Use both of them. And uh, he set the edge with one hand, controlled the blocker, reached out with the other one, tackled the running back. Outstanding run play. And we, we've heard that about him, and it's why he's going to be the starter. I think even when Daryl Taylor comes back from his shoulder injury, that he's established himself as a guy that can set the edge and rush the passer, Taylor a little bit more of a one-trick pony. Uh, I thought there were times when uh, Tyreek Smith flashed, and, and this one is kind of borderline because he didn't really make any splash plays, but you noticed him a lot. He was around the football. He was around the quarterback a lot. The fifth-round pick out of Ohio State last year, the outside linebacker. The team was really high on, but missed all of last year with an injury. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Uh, Devin Bush certainly flashed, didn't he? One of the things I heard when the Seahawks signed him from Steeler fans was how soft he was, that, that the injury had softened him. And when you saw him on tape, you saw a lot of dissecting and a lot of uh, reading and reacting. Uh, that's Butch you hear in the background. Go Cougs. Apparently he's found a fly. And uh, he's playing a little outside linebacker of his own. Uh, Devin Bush can... Uh, we didn't see that last night. He hits guys. This... There were some moments last night where you looked like the rookie Devin Bush pre-injury. One was on a, on, a, on a kickoff team. Absolutely laid a guy out. There were a couple of times that he really laid the lumber yesterday. Encouraging to see from Devin Bush. And speaking of hitting guys, I thought Kobe Bryant flashed for me. I was concerned about him, as I think some of you were, that, look, we drafted this guy in the mid-rounds last year had expectations, the Jim Thorpe Award winner from Cincinnati. And then early in camp last year, they moved him from outside to inside. And now this year, they draft Devin Witherspoon, Trey Brown's back healthy. They signed Julian Love. They have other options at slot. They start playing him at safety. Some people take that as a failure. Well, they're just scrambling to try and find a spot on the roster for him. Maybe. Uh, but he he looked the part yesterday. And my concern, I think I said on the show last week, when the depth chart came out, is they have him listed as a strong safety. And I guess I just assumed, not being there to watch practice every day, that being a former corner, he'd be more of a free safety. Is he physical enough to play strong safety? Well, he sure looked at last night. Sure looked at last night. He had one hit that was initially called uh, as a personal foul, targeting. And then they looked at it. And uh, no, didn't lead with the head, 
led with the shoulder. Kobe Bryant could be our next Deshaun Shedd, who, by the way, is on the coaching staff. Um, and then Jarek Reed, speaking of safeties, the six-round pick out of New Mexico this year that we haven't heard a lot about in practice. But because they're not going to play Quandre Diggs, Julian Love, Jamal Adams isn't ready yet. Jarek Reed started the game last night, had a couple of big hits of his own, had a pass breakup, had a tackle for loss, made an impact. And with, Corey, uh, with Joey Blunt being out with that back injury, although the update on that is, is uh, Carol said it didn't seem to be very serious, but Blunt had been playing as and, and was on that depth chart release as the next man up in that safety battle. But they usually keep five. There's, there's an opportunity for Jarek Reed to make the team, especially we know uh, what the team, how the team values him as a special teams player. Those are all defensive guys, right? On offense, early on, who flashed? Who else? Jackson Smith and Jigba. We saw him catch a couple of balls. We saw him pointed out on the telecast. Just his... It, it looks like he... I know it's early. But he might have Doug Baldwin-level release skills at the line of scrimmage. His ability to separate in short areas, make cuts, get open. And he's such a natural hands catcher. I, there was one third down conversion, just an easy kind of a half roll for Drew Locke. Found him underneath on a drag route that just feels like the kind of play that can be there for the Seahawks over and over and over again this year with Chino Smith. And that third downs should be impacted positively by JSN. And then staying at the receiver position, this was a tough week to be a WSU grad. Tough week for Cougar Faithful. So it was really cool to see Aesop Winston Jr. have such a good game yesterday. Look like a guy that can get open in the slot. And one thing I've said about Winston in the past is um, what really stood out to me at Wazoo was his ability to make contested catches, catch the football in traffic. He did that last night on a touchdown, on a bullet from Drew Locke. We're going to talk about Locke in a minute. On an in-breaking route at the goal line. Um, had three catches last night. Two of them were, were contested catches. And he can also return kicks a little bit. Uh, Winston might be in that mix at the end of the receiver room because Cade Johnson got hurt last night. Good report from Pete Carroll today. He was carried off on a stretcher yesterday. They said really positive report. Concussion likely, but no other neck or spinal impact. Um. And then uh, Cody Thompson banged up a little bit. He's got a groin thing. So it could be a good opportunity for Winston. And then late, guys that flashed late. In case you're sitting there right now going, he's talking about receivers, but there's this one dude he hasn't talked about yet. I'm getting there. Guys who flashed late. Let's talk about Levi Bell, shall we? There, every preseason, it seems there's a guy like this. Small school, undrafted, undersized, who just makes plays. Levi Bell could be that guy. And he, this, he, he didn't just come out of nowhere yesterday. He did some things in the mock game last week, too, to stand out. In particular, his ability to get to the quarterback 
He is an undersized defensive end. 5'11", 262. little background on him. Started at Louisiana Tech, transferred to Texas State. His last year at Texas State had 13 and a half tackles for a loss, uh, five sacks. Played with the Michigan Panthers last year in the USFL. Had 17 tackles and four sacks. Got a little versatility to him, too. He can also play some fullback. Uh, he had three solo tackles and a sack last night, and there were a couple other times he pressured the quarterback that he didn't get to him. Levi Bell was a guy that, as I stated earlier, if you were just watching the game generally, he kept popping. And he kind of reminded me of Nick Reed. Remember Nick Reed, the undersized? I think technically he was a linebacker out of Oregon. I don't know, the year. <laughs> I have no concept of pastime these days. Uh, but Nick Reed looked so good in the preseason, looked like a star in the making, never really had much of an NFL career after that. But an, an, another undersized guy, uh, Levi Bell is kind of fun. Does he have a chance to make the team? I don't know. But he's fun to watch. Uh, so Seahawks had two sacks last night. He had one of them. Jordan Ferguson, another small school, kind of shorter Edge player had a sack last night, too. And then Jake Bobo. And I don't even know if if Flash is the right term. He just, the more we watch him, the more this is going to become familiar. He led everybody in the mock game with seven catches for 79 yards, a touchdown, and almost another touchdown. Tied for the lead yesterday with three catches for 55 yards and a touchdown on a beautifully placed pass by Drew Locke. Uh, for all that talk of, you know, he's 6'4", but he, he ran a really slow 40. He looks athletic. He looks like he's moving at an NFL pace. He's got some nice separation skills, good body control. I think Jake, Jake Bobo may have made this team. And there was a scene after he caught the touchdown where they showed him on the sideline getting congratulations from just about every player on the entire roster to a level that I don't think you see every time one of these young guys scores a touchdown. After Bobo was signed, Chip Kelly came on local radio and talked about how beloved he was by his teammates. What an impact he made in the locker room. What an impact he made every day in practice. And we know how much Pete Carroll values those kinds of characteristics. Some other players that didn't quite make this list, but that I thought stood out and deserve mention, a couple of linebackers. With Vi Jones being injured, and, and sounds like he's going to be out for a little while, a guy that Corbin Smith had talked about as really standing out as that next guy on the linebacker depth chart on the inside, John Radigan got the bulk of the playing time last night. Led the team with nine tackles, seven of them solo. Just looked solid. Looked like he was in the right place at the right time. Was in on tackles. And then staying at the linebacker spot, uh, later in the game, he gave way to Patrick O'Connell. Undrafted free agent out of Montana State. Undersized. 6'1", 221, kind of a tweener. When you read uh, his scouting report on NFL.com, I think it's Lance Zerline wrote it. Uh, undersized to be an inside linebacker, not athletic enough, doesn't have enough lateral quickness or speed to play outside. 
in a what if he was in a four three, but just productive as heck. Two time uh, first team All Big Sky at Montana State. His last two seasons combined there: thirty five tackles for loss and twenty two sacks. And he seemed in control. He was commanding the huddle, calling the plays. He was reacting. Didn't seem like he was a step behind. Reminded me of Ben Burkirv in his rookie year before he got hurt. By the way, uh, Kirvin did play, had a tackle yesterday, got in late in the game. It was good to see him out there again running around full speed and and um, uphill battle for him to make the team. In the next couple of weeks, he was signed so late in camp, but uh, we've heard Pete Carroll talk about him with reverence and um, – he could be in the mix for that practice squad along with O'Connell. We're going to do. Uh, we're going to talk about quarterbacks in just a second. But first, um, I think we're going to do this for every game recap: things we know and things we don't know out of this game. Things we know: Jackson Smith in Jigba is a dude. That's all I'm going to say. Feel like we talk about him too much. <laughs> um, Derek Hall and Mike Morris are going to contribute on that defensive line. Remember, none of the starters, Draymond Jones, Jaron Reed, Mario Edwards, none of those guys played. But Derek Hall and Mike Morris, uh, m- well, Morris is in that group. Derek Hall, one of the outside linebackers. Those guys are going to contribute as rookies and play a key role. I think another thing, small sample size, obviously, but that's kind of the nature of this segment. Things we know, or maybe maybe I'll change it to things I know. Because <laughs> uh, you might not agree with me. I think Kobe Bryant's a safety. I think that move makes a lot of sense. I think he's Deshaun Shedd. He can play safety. He can play corner. He can help you wherever you need it in a pinch. could be the long-term answer alongside Julian Love after Jamal Adams, Quandre Diggs are done. The other thing we know is this team, this team is fast and athletic and it's up and down the roster and they're tough and they hit and they play with enthusiasm. I think we're seeing Pete Carroll rebuild a roster in his ideal form and preference. The other thing we know is that there are going to be some tough decisions at the bottom of this roster and on the practice squad because there's there's so much depth at the back of this roster. And I don't necessarily mean depth as in guys that can become NFL starters, but guys that can make an impact and guys that are athletic and guys that can play. Usually in preseason, you see a group of players that you're confident have a shot to make the roster. And then there's a bunch of names that you don't bother learning. But there were guys, especially on defense, running around yesterday that I hadn't really paid attention to that I think maybe I should. And even on offense, I'll tell you what, I didn't put him on the list. But as I'm talking to you about this, I keep thinking about Greg Island. Signed undrafted last year on a Mississippi State. Big, long, tall tackle, 6'8". 
I've stood next to him. I've met him in person. He's he's very tall. Um, Seahawks have him listed at guard now. I expressed my surprise at that on the depth chart show. But he pancaked a guy yesterday, got in the second half on a pole from left guard. And and so he was playing next to Stone Forsyth at left tackle. What's Forsyth? He's 6'6", isn't he? Uh, so that's that's interesting to see. Uh, but Greg Island moved better than I thought that he would and kept his pad level low and, and really looked interesting there as a guy. We know how much the Seahawks value offensive linemen that can play multiple positions. That's why they like Jake Curran so much. Curran started at guard yesterday but played some tackle, I think. They love that versatility. Things we don't know. We don't know anything about whether Cam Young is going to fit into this defensive line or how he's going to fit in because... He was out yesterday with uh, what Carroll termed as a calf strain. Nobody knew about it before the game. Bob Condota didn't even know about it. He just didn't suit up. So early on, because I was trying to watch this game without going to Twitter, I didn't want any outside influence before I watched the game, the tape of the game. I thought, using the doghouse already, have other guys passed him by? Because we saw at nose tackle, we saw all the other dudes, all the other undrafted guys, Roderick Perry, Robert Cooper, Jacob Sykes, even Anthony Montalvo, who got in late in the game, um, who could factor into this rotation. He was reportedly, uh, Seahawks signed him after Miami released him. Miami released him when they signed Deshaun Hand, but Montalvo had reportedly been playing really well for them up until that point. So we don't know, we still don't know how that nose tackle rotation is going to go. We saw Miles Adams in there a lot yesterday. Also in that group. Um, but Adams isn't a true nose. He's more of a guy that can play defensive end and move in there. I still think a continuing storyline this this preseason is going to be, who are they going to add there when teams cut down or shortly before? And there are some questions still about the interior offensive line. Evan Brown started at center. Olu Oluwatimi came in in the second half. Um I'm going to talk to some guys in the upcoming weeks that know offensive line play a lot better than I do. We'll get Sanji T back on here to talk about Seahawks offensive line. He's very high on them. But we'll wait until um, one more game's in the books, get some specific examples on tape. Now let's talk about the quarterbacks because a lot of times these are the guys that can really shine in the preseason, right? Uh, Drew Locke looked good. Said he had a blast yesterday. And it, it had escaped my notice, or I guess I just hadn't realized that until he said it last night that it was the first chance he's had a chance to take a snap at Lumen Field in front of the home crowd because the Seahawks only had one preseason home game last year, and that was when he, he tested positive for COVID, couldn't play, was going to get the start in that game. And then, of course, Geno took every snap last year, so Drew didn't take any at home. 17 out of 24, 191 yards, two touchdowns, one interception, a 104.7 passer rating. And we just didn't see any of the gunslinger, wild, crazy, half-cocked, risky throws out of him. Even the interception was a deflected pass where he had a guy breaking wide open in the flat. Ball was uh, deflected at the line of scrimmage. Um, and we saw the arm talent, man. You can see it. The ball to Aesop Winston was on a rope between two defenders. The ball to Jake Bobo was single coverage, but 
placed perfectly outside shoulder. No chance for the DB on the inside shoulder of Bobo to, to make a play on the ball. He had another play earlier in the game where it was about a 10-yard game, but he's, he's backpedaling. Was it to Charbonnet? He's backpedaling. While he's backpedaling, he just kind of flicks his wrist and throws a seed for a 10-yard gain to a running back kind of leaking out from the pocket. You can see the arm talent. And this is the first time in his pro career he's had a chance now to have some continuity. Same offensive coordinator, same coaching staff. You know, we're going we're gonna to talk later this year about the draft class for next year how deep it is, how there would be an opportunity if the Seahawks want to develop a young guy to take one in the second round or third round that could develop into a starter. That opportunity wasn't there this year. It just wasn't that good of a class. But if Drew Locke continues to show growth and progression, the talent is undeniable. In much the same way, all he has to do is look to his right or left and find Geno Smith for inspiration. Ryan Leaf talked about it the other day on the show. Geno was willing to sit for six years as a backup and keep coming back on one-year deals because he liked the culture here, he liked the setup, but he also still believed that he was a viable NFL starter. He wasn't going to give up on that. I think some of these quarterbacks that have a little success earlier in their career and then fail to to hold a starter spot, some of them just resign themselves to being backups. We now know that Gino never took that mindset. And if Drew adopts that line, that mindset, I don't, if he's happy here and he agrees to keep coming back, I don't know if the Seahawks have to be out hunting quarterbacks and using draft picks on those. Uh, Michael Thompson reached out to me last night before I got a chance to watch the game, and he said, "He said if Geno gets hurt, he said I think we can we can still win games with Drew." And I don't disagree with him. Um, and then as far as developmental quarterbacks go, Holton Ehlers is starting to develop a little bit of buzz, isn't he? Did some things in the mock game, did those exact same things last night. Uh, 6'3", 225, 230, I think, big dude, but looks really athletic, and it shows up. Uh, the things he did at East Carolina over his prolific four-year career, 13,000 passing yards, 97 total touchdowns. Um, I think he ran for 1,000 yards. Has some Tim Tebow in him. He's a lefty. Has some Taysom Hill in him. Seahawks aren't going to carry a third quarterback on the roster, uh, unfortunately. I, I wish, I've, I've mentioned it before, I wish the NFL would just have a third spot for a quarterback. And, and maybe they'll use, they have that new rule this year that kind of creates a pseudo third spot. It'll be interesting to see if the Seahawks use that. But you wouldn't be able to, the way I understand that rule, if I remember it right, you, you wouldn't be able to use that third quarterback unless there was an emergency. So you wouldn't be able to use him in like a Taysom Hill type of package. Um, my criticism of him watching his tape coming out of college was long release. It looks like he's tightened that up. 
because from the limited amount, four for four last night, 43 yards and a touchdown. The touchdown was kind of fluky. He's getting pressured. He heaves the ball up. He knows he's got one-on-one coverage, though, so it wasn't that risky of a throw. Throws it to Matt Landers, streaking down the right sideline. Uh, he knows, you know, Landers is 6'4". He's got a chance to win a 50-50 ball, and he does. The ball's a little underthrown because he's throwing it off his back foot with a defender in his face. Landers jumps up, makes a catch, stiff arms the defender, and runs in for the touchdown. He had a couple checkdowns. It's the running ability that's really impressive. And I showed, uh, if you haven't watched the episode recapping the mock game, there's some highlights that I took. And one of them, I got a really good angle of the touchdown that he threw um, to Griffin Hebert, uh, where he's feels a little pressure in the pocket, manipulates it, moves around slightly to get a better view, and then keeps his head up and finds a touchdown. Instead of, as so many rookies do, if their first read isn't right, Right there, right then, they panic, they pull the ball down and run. There might be something there to Holt Nailers. And we're going to dig into that even more on our next episode. I have a really cool guest coming up uh, Monday. Brian North. He's a sports and news anchor from WCTI in Eastern Carolina. Knows Holt Nailers well. Covered him in high school, all through his high school career in Greenville, North Carolina, and at East Carolina. He's going to come on the show, and we're going to do a little deeper dive into who Holt Naylor's is as a person and uh, what his what it was like covering him all through his high school and college career. Uh, until then, if there's any big, huge breaking news, of course, I'll hop on and do a show. Working on some really cool guests uh, as we continue to, to grow this thing together. Subscribe to it. Those numbers keep going up. And um, I appreciate that greatly. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Seahawks Forever. Like this video. Subscribe to the channel. Until next time, forever and always, go Hawks.